0: One of the fastest and easiest ways to connect with God is through a private discipline. It's easy to get started, so why not try a simple prayer? And guess what? Prayer can be done in any language, at any time, under any circumstances. So start the journey with a simple hello. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening in to our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We are in our third week of How God Uses Five Ways to Grow Our Faith, and this week, Pastor Jason talks about how the private discipline of prayer is an easy way to get started and it's hard to mess up. You can't do it wrong. God hears each of us, with or without fancy words, and he gives us examples in the Bible to help us along. Let's check it out right now.
1: All right, well, we are in this series, five things God uses to grow your faith. And uh, of course, we know that God uses like infinity things to grow your faith, but for the sake of this uh, sermon series, so it would have a beginning and an end. We, we picked five, but here's, here's how this list was kind of curated. It was curated by hearing people's faith stories. And when hearing people who've grown in their faith, these five things keep coming up. And I think it's, you know, our God is a God of systems. The solar system, the, you know, our our circulatory system. God's a God of systems. And I think there is a system for how we can cut through everything going on in our life and actually focus in on and listen to God and help him uh, or, or to be available for him to grow us in our faith. Because he's the one doing the growing. It's not, we don't make that happen. But we are like an open hand. We put ourselves in position to receive what he wants to give us. And the whole premise of this is, you know, this is resolution time and time when people want to make changes in their lives. But here's the thing about our spiritual lives. They aren't just a compartment like our finances and our health and our uh, relationships and our job and but rather our spiritual life is the foundation for all of it and if our spiritual life if we aren't tending to that we're not going to tend to everything else very well other things will eventually break down over time so this is our leading question really for this series what would it look like in 2019 if you had complete confidence in God complete I'm going through this issue. I'm going through this hard time. I completely have confidence that God is going to see me to the other side. Because we all say it, or most of us say it. At least if, we, if someone were to ask us at church, we would say it. Do you have com- complete confidence in God? Absolutely. Amen, pastor. But it's quite another thing when you're faced with life's stuff. And you might say that you trust in God, but... You're so filled with anxiety and fear and doubt. And yes, that even happens to us pastors. It's called life and we're all living it. But what would it look like if we grew in our ability to have complete confidence in God? So, the five things that God uses help us to see God's path more clearly. That's really what this is about. Is that if you've ever felt like your life's been in a little bit of a fog or if you feel like you really can't see where the path in your life is going, chances are that that has a spiritual root. That the reason why there's so much cloudiness is that you need to connect with God more to help you get some clarity. Now, that's not always going to happen. This isn't some sort of like, your best life now kind of thing. Like, 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 yes, I do believe God wants you to live your best life. But that best life might not always look like green lights and blue skies. Might always look like everything's graphing up and to the right. Might not look like that all the time. But really, it's the path that God has for your life that he's pre-designed you to live to say, this is the life that's going to give you the most fulfillment, the most purpose for my kingdom, and the most joy. So the five things help us get clarity On what God's path is. Now today we're talking about, what we're really talking about is relationships. And we all have all different kinds of relationships, right? We have friendships, we got family relationships. And how are relationships built? They're built by communication. Communication is the key. So let me give you an example. On my wedding day, It wasn't just about making the vows and saying, yes, I do. And then, "Muff, see you when we're old. (laughs) I'm just not going to communicate. That wouldn't work out. Why? Because if you're not communicating, you're growing apart. That's the thing about relationships. We're either growing closer or we're growing apart. They don't seem to stay the same. I know uh, my age, you know, when you get to be in your 40s and, um, uh, it's funny because like all the people, uh, I swear, like every guy in their 40s is like trying to reconnect with like, hey, I remember me from middle school? And I, there's just this desire to communicate again. No, I don't remember you or there's a reason I'm not your friend right now. But anyway, <laughs> but that's the thing, you know, you could have been close at one time, but it doesn't mean that you're close now. And that's be- probably a byproduct of whatever your level of communication is. Well, this is true in your relationship with God. Your level of communication will determine your closeness. And the thing is, God's always trying to communicate with you. I love that scene. I, I'm thinking about it right now in the moment. That scene from uh, Bruce Almighty, where he's driving along, Jim Carrey's driving along. He's like, God, Lord, just give me a sign. And there's literally a truck full of signs telling him not to go that way, to turn around. Just any sign, any old sign, Lord. I feel like that's kind of like life sometimes, where God is giving you a million signs, but it's just you're not dialed in, or you're not looking for what he wants to give you, or you have a very particular idea of what that sign should look like, or what the answer should be, and you kind of don't really tune in to what God has to say. So today, you know, we've talked about practical teaching, number one, we talked about, um, providential relationships and today we're talking about private disciplines and that is spiritual practices that help connect you in your relationship to God on a regular basis that's one of the huge things I know in my life this is probably gosh I don't know if this is number one but it's it's a it's the one most used I think by God in my life is our private disciplines I think, though, we have to first answer this question. Do you believe that God wants to communicate with you? Do you believe that? You know, some people have a hard time believing this. It's funny. I've talked to a lot of people who are like, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the cross. But I don't believe that God really. I mean, who am I? Why? Why would the, doesn't God in the universe have bigger fish to fry? Why does he care about communicating with me? that's actually a pretty big hurdle for some. I want to encourage you, if you feel that way or have felt that way, know this, that Scripture says things like, even the very hairs in your head are numbered. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That our God, who is so vast and powerful, is also very intimate in the sense that he desires a personal relationship with his children. So yeah, he wants to communicate with you. And probably there's a truck full of signs that you're following and don't even realize it. The problem, of course, is on our end. How do we connect with God? I think there's some amazing promises in Scripture I want to share with you. This is one that you may want to like do a little screenshot of. But the first is, Jeremiah... You like my sound effects? Jeremiah 33.3. 3. How about this for a promise? Call to me... And I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Call to me and I will answer. I'll I'll tell you the unsearchable things. The things that you can't search for and find within yourself. The unsearchable things. The things that only I know for your life. I will let you know those things. But what do you have to do? Call out to me. Or well, this next one also from Jeremiah 6:16 6, This is what the Lord says Stand at the crossroads and look Ask for the ancient paths Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls Man how often do I feel like I'm standing at a crossroads in my life It says ask for the ancient paths Good way, walk in it. You will find rest for your souls. Now this all, these are amazing promises from God. And I know that I read things like this and I get kind of fired up like, yeah, wow. The God of the universe really wants to speak with me. That's amazing. Okay, I'm gonna dial in. Starting tomorrow. It's always starting tomorrow, right? Starting Monday. I'm gonna do it. And what happens? Most of the time. Life! Life! Life happens. Life is so noisy. Life is so crazy. There is so much noise. Have you ever been somewhere where it's like so quiet? You notice how quiet it is. This happens a lot for people who live in the city and like go on a retreat or something. Like, dude, this freaked me out. It's like totally quiet. I'm not hearing like electrical buzz. No airplanes. No street cars. Nothing. It's freaking me out. But the thing is, when you're quiet like that, you can hear everything. I feel like in our faith, we need to cultivate times of quiet in the middle of the noise. Because that's the real secret. The real secret to living and connecting with God through private disciplines is not that you somehow magically erase all the noise in your life. Although, there may be some noisy things you can get rid of. But there's always going to be noise. The trick is, you got to find a way to create moments of silence within the noise. Intentional moments of silence, and that's where private disciplines come in. Because how in the world do you hear God's voice through life's noise? I mean, it's just coming at you. You ever try to, uh, if you're under 25, you really don't get the beauty of this. Trying to meet up with somebody in a crowded place. Cell phones is cheating now. It's just too easy. You've got GPS. You've got all sorts of stuff. It used to be, back in the day, it used to be, all right, I'm going to be by the blue dumpster between 4 and, I don't know, 4.30. I'll be wearing a hat. Like It was so vague, like trying to meet somebody ahead of time in the crowded place or trying to get their attention in a crowded place. My uh, my dad had a whistle. Anybody's dad whistle and had a whistle. So if I was in a crowd, he would whistle and I would know to listen for the whistle. And I'm like, I can't whistle. So it's kind of a bummer. But Or, or you know, because back before you had cell phones, what you had to do is you had to like flag somebody down. You had to be like. It came in stages that were progressive. The first was, "They're not moving." Then it's, "Hey!" Then you start getting a little more desperate and embarrassed. "Hey, over here, caca, caca!" You know what? You're trying to get their attention. The trick is, of course, the trick is if you're going to meet up with somebody in a noisy crowded place you have to have a predetermined plan and this is true in our relationship with God because life is so darn noisy the noise will definitely drown out God's voice if we let it what you need is a predetermined system otherwise communication is just too difficult you need to listen for God's whistle to get your attention you need to know where to go but you got to think about that ahead of time. So when we do our spiritual disciplines, we got to make sure that we have a plan. That we don't just leave it up to, well, I think I'll be free, maybe sometime Monday-ish. It usually doesn't go well. We don't have lasting success on connecting with God. Now how do you do it? Well... I would love to say that I, Jason Tucker, have created this wonderful system of how to connect with God. But basically, it's what Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. So there's that. But here's the thing. It works. They're called ancient spiritual disciplines. This is a way that you can connect with God in your private disciplines on a daily basis, create moments of silence in the midst of the noise, and hear God's voice for your life. And in fact, you can do it. You know I say this all the time. You can do it less than five minutes a day. Most things you can do in less than five minutes a day. Consistency is the most important thing in all of this. Consistency over quantity. You don't need to study scripture for 14 hours. You could read a verse a day. Have one thought about it in five minutes or less. Consistency. And here's the other thing I noticed. Simplicity is better than complexity. Like I'm going to sit and I'm going to read this chapter, this verse, This day, this chapter, this verse, this day. I don't want to make it too complicated. Why? Because I won't stick with it. When that connecting with God is something that happens, if you do that consistency, then your life starts to move in a direction. I know, I know, I use the word disciplines. You're like, it's the D word. We don't like that word. Because it's not a fun word. But it's an important word. And I think it's the right word. A discipline implies that you are making some kind of intentional effort to see it through. What is more important than hearing from, from God? And it's funny how casually we treat that. Ah, you know, I'll pray with God. If like, we stop and think about it. the God of the universe who created all reality wants to communicate with you about how to live the life according to the plan and purpose he has for you. And we're just like, oh, cool. All right. yeah, you know, hopefully I'll get to it. I don't know, I got a crazy week. It's funny when you sit and think about it, because I mean, I do that too. It's a, You think about what that means. I think it's worth a little discipline. But, here, and it, but see, discipline takes training. You're not just gonna go out and run the 10K without training for it. I really don't recommend that, bad idea. Here's my favorite, my favorite two verses about discipline. You may want to write this down or screenshot it. Hebrews 12, 11 and 12. These are my favorite. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can I get an amen? All right. Wow, you actually said it. It's kind of rhetorical. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Here's my favorite part. Therefore... Strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Isn't that good? It's good. It's like they're showing us a little tough love. Like, yeah, it's not just like, eh, whenever you get around to it. No, man, buck up. Get in there. Get in the game. Be intentional about listening to God's voice in your life. So there are many different spiritual disciplines that you can do. There's all sorts. Scripture study. Um, you know fasting solitude I mean there's so many service worship all kinds of different things I want to recommend a couple of books Richard Foster's book on uh, prayer is an excellent one to start he's got another one on spiritual disciplines um, if you're looking to dig deeper into kind of how to do the disciplines uh, also I did a sermon series a couple years ago it may be still on the website somewhere uh, I'll try to track that down this week maybe we can get the links for you that talked about a bunch of different spiritual disciplines. But today I'm going to talk about the one that we have the least amount of excuses to do, and that's prayer. What do I mean the least amount of excuses? Well, you can make excuses about all the other ones. Bible study, well, I just don't understand Scripture enough. It doesn't really work for me. I need like somebody to kind of be there teaching me, show them what to do. Okay. Fasting, well, you know, I'm diabetic or i got to take medication. I can't, can't really do that, you know solitude well I can't really you know I you could come up with a lot of prayer is the one thing that every person can do and yet it's funny how self-conscious we get about prayer I don't know am I doing it right it's gotta be mad if I like do it wrong there's some like key words I should avoid or use is something gonna like get me a little more attention or or if you ever ask you know if you're ever in a group of Christians and you do the thing where you pray in public like, oh, will someone close us in prayer? And everyone immediately is 13 years old. <laughs> Head down. Do not make eye contact. Maybe he won't call on me. By the way, this happens at staff meetings, okay? So it's not just you. All right, who's going to close in prayer? It's just our, our default. Why? Because we're afraid we're going to do it wrong. Uh, or we don't know what to do. We don't know how to pray. So we're going to talk about prayer today. And again, this is the one thing every Christian to do no matter what. Even those who are shut-ins. You know, I think this happens to a lot of folks who get into their 70s, 80s, 90s and feel like their best years are behind them or they kind of their most productive years are behind them. But the thing that they can always do, even if they can't leave their house, they can pray. They can always pray. When your eyesight fades, you can Pray when you're struggling, kind of losing control of other things in your life, you could still pray. So let's talk about what Jesus said about prayer. Let's go to Matthew 6. This is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is sort of telling folks how not to pray. Like, don't pray like it's a big show, because that defeats the whole purpose of prayer. And then he goes on to say how you should pray. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Now that word hypocrites, uh, it's not exactly the way we use that word today. This word in the Greek means uh, someone who is an actor would have been called this word. Somebody who is playing a part, who is not authentic to who they really are, but they're playing a part. So do not be like those who are playing a part. For they love to pray Standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. What's their reward? People applaud. They are impressed by their prayers. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Notice he uses that word reward. Interesting. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, which is my next band name, for they, thank you, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So what's he talking about? He's talking about don't pray for show. Prayer is about your heart prayers about your heart. And I know, especially when you're a new Christian or you're not used to praying out loud or whatever it is, you feel like you got to do it a certain way and and you all of a sudden start speaking in Elizabethan English. (laughs) Oh dear Lord, thou art so lovely. Wait, who am I? (laughs) Because you don't know. You want to do it right. You want to do it right. What Jesus is saying, you're doing it right when you do it. If it's coming from your heart, you're doing it right. Talk to God in your language. God understands it. Prayer is about the heart. It's not about playing a part or saying the right key words, there's no pride or pretense, it's even what you do in secret. So, after saying how not to pray, he then says, this is how you should pray. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take a look at that real quick, that first part of the Lord's prayer. What's he start with? He starts with God. Basically saying, before you get to anything else, before you get to what you need, this is how you should pray. God, you are the Holy One. Thank you for who you are and for what you've done for me. And I pray that your will is done here on earth just like it is in heaven. Now let me get to what's next. He says, you start with God when you pray. This is the way you do it. Then the next part. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So then you see, then it goes to like helping us in our life, helping us please provide for us our daily bread and how we treat one another. Be a part of that. Be a part of our doing life with one another. Making God and God's kingdom first and inviting God to provide and be involved in our lives. And then verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, help us to do all these things. God, you are number one. May your will be done above all others, including my own. Pray for my daily life. That I may live the right way that you would provide for me. And I know that, my, that temptation can derail everything. So I pray that you lead me, keep me from temptation. In order that we may be delivered from evil. This is what Jesus says on how to pray. Prayer is about inviting God into our lives so we can hear his voice through the noise. Here's an interesting, interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer. It's something that we are taught to memorize. Many of you, you've learned the Lord's Prayer. You even wonder, why don't we say it all the time here in this service? A lot of questions. I think one of the things that can happen is... When we memorize things, sometimes they can become rote or routine. Plus, I don't know if that was the main point of Jesus teaching us that prayer. I actually think the main point is to give us a model of how to pray. I'm not saying memorizing the Lord's Prayer is bad. It's good. But I'm saying I think it also serves as a formula for how we should pray pray. The reason why I believe that is because elsewhere in Scripture, when Jesus prays, he doesn't pray exactly like that. Other people don't pray exactly like that. He's teaching them a model of prayer, which he uses himself when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26. If you ever look at that portion of Scripture, you discover there's an order to his prayer that basically is the formula of the Lord's Prayer. In other words, Sometimes a memorized prayer isn't what's going to do it when you're going through your everyday life. But rather a model that's based on what's happening in your everyday life and then you're praying it. If you ever check out the order, it starts, you know, my father praying to you, please provide for me. Take this cup from me, he says. The whole prayer is in a moment of temptation for him to give up. Then yet not my will but yours be done. And then even the fact that he goes over and remember what he tells the disciples who are sleeping? Stay awake so that you will avoid temptation. He's actually living and breathing this prayer in one of the most agonizing moments of his life. What would it look like if we started personalizing the Lord's prayer as a way of having a spiritual discipline of connecting with God, a, a private discipline. I, uh, in your bulletin today, I came, came up with a short prayer exercise that's designed to be done in five minutes or less that is a way for you to personalize the Lord's Prayer for your life. So what I'm doing is I'm giving you a head start on tomorrow or later today, whenever you want to carve out some time and start practicing the spiritual discipline of prayer You know what you're going to do before you get to that time. So, this is the the key thing when you're starting any spiritual discipline, but especially uh, with prayer. Private disciplines. Number one is you got to pick a time and place ahead of time, schedule it, get it on the calendar. On my calendar, all my prayer times are scheduled every day because it reminds me of what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just life, you'll forget if it doesn't get into your, into your schedule. And then, for, for example, this week or tomorrow, whenever you can do it, you can use the Lord's Prayer Exercise. And then, after you do the Lord's Prayer Exercise, think about, to, you know, plan ahead for the next day. Think about what it is that you want to do next. And again, simplicity over complexity is the key. Consistency over quantity. These are important ways. And here's why this matters. It's because the more you connect with God on a regular basis, the more you're going to find yourself starting to go down that path. Again, it's bringing clarity to the path that God has for you. That is the only way I know. This way, this kind of five things God uses. Tuning into God, this is the only way that I know to get where God wants to take me. Relationships can only grow with communication. May your relationship with Jesus Christ grow this week as a result of your communication. Amen.